now the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan. That happens when the show's as popular as this one. Yeah, double M, man. He'd love the show. He just wants to dance. The X at 105.9. Joining me now to talk football from ESPN Radio in Seattle, he is the guru. He is the professor. He is Pittsburgh's own John Clayton. Professor, how's it going? Good to have you on board. With you, I've missed you. <laughs> well, it's great to have you back. And let's start with the obvious, the Steelers questions first. How's it going to play out with Lev Bell? Are we basically going to see a repeat from last year, timetable-wise? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, he'll he'll miss camp and then come in, uh, you know, a week or two before camp and then try to or before the start of the regular season. I mean, it's, you know, same old, same old. I guess as Myron Cope used to say, it's deja vu all over again. <laughs> And yeah, because you know he still has got his eyes in the sky. I mean, you know, here's here's the chance that he could have got thirteen million dollars a year somewhere in that neighborhood, which of course is good money for a running back in a league right now that doesn't pay a running back more than eight point two million unless you're a franchise guy like Le'Veon Bell. And he, he's still thinking fourteen, fifteen, sixteen million, which of course that's just out of range right now. But again, it's like thirteen million is a pretty good offer. Unfortunately, it wasn't good enough for him, so he'll just have to play it out his way. And then of course the Steelers just have to hope he comes in in shape, which he should, and then not have any kind of leg injuries. The Steelers have handled the Bell situation correctly, haven't they? Yes. Yeah, because they can't. I mean, when you realize that the, even the franchise tag number is so far above reality for a running back. I mean, what, there's only like about uh, six running backs in football, excluding Le'Veon Bell, that are making more than $5 million a year. And those numbers are slowly coming down. Like, for example, Latavius Murray is probably going to get cut this week in Minnesota. And, uh, you know, that, I mean, what you have is, you know, with Devontae Freeman at 8.2 million. You have, uh, Shady McCoy at eight million. I mean, the numbers are just tough for running backs, and so you know, here's a running back who's you know is arguably the best in football, but to be you know almost double as what he wants over the next best running back, it just doesn't work. Well, let's stay with that for a second, John. Is Bell the best back in football? Because I look at Todd Gurley's stats from last year, and boy, I wonder. He is now because again he's such a complete back. Now Gurley, you know, did have a slightly better year because you can make the argument that he was in the hunt to maybe be the uh, offensive MVP. But still, Le'Veon he catches the ball. I mean, he can get 70, 80 catches in a year. He gets the yards. He's got an amazing ability to stop at the line of scrimmage, put his foot down, go any direction. I mean, he's just incredible like that. But uh, I mean, let's put it this way: there's a lot of backs right now that are either catching up to him or could be ready to pass him. I mean, you're right about Gurley. I mean, uh, Leonard Fournette had a great season. Ezekiel Elliott should be able to bounce back. And, of course, you know at Penn State, uh, (laughs) Daquan uh, Barkley is just absolutely sensational. How will the Steelers fix their defense, John? What moves do you expect them to make? Uh, That's got to be their draft priority, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously they're going to be looking at the inside linebacker spot because of the uh, you know they don't know about Ryan Shazier. I would have to think that uh, you know there's probably going to be a need for a safety. Uh, maybe uh, you know cornerback is always something that's going to be on on their as they're looking out for, particularly now with William Gabe being cut. So uh, yeah, they they still have those issues. But I mean overall, I mean you look at it and just like last year, I mean it's one of the most talented teams in an AFC that's down. Interesting uh, situation with Lawrence Timmons. He got cut by Miami. Uh, he, he only is one year away from the Steelers system. What would be the pros and cons of bringing him back, John? Because from what I hear, it, it still seems unlikely to happen. Yeah, but I, I mean, you can say the pros of it are, you know, with Ryan, because I remember I was at the uh, the game where Ryan Shazier took over the play calling on defense 
for Lawrence Timmons, and you notice it was a noticeable difference. I mean, Lawrence is kind of a quiet guy. I mean, he got the job done, but with Shazier out this year, I mean, Timmons might be the perfect guy to come in here and kind of patch. And the one thing, I mean, you can see from the Steelers, because they've done this a bunch, it's like guys that have gotten out of there, they invite back. I mean, they did the same thing with William Gay, and they've done probably three or four players since the mid-2000s. And to me, I think it'd be a nice fit to try to bring him back. Now, again, maybe he doesn't want to come back, but let's, let's put it this way. He got himself in trouble uh, last year in Miami and got, what, uh, suspended and fined just because he flew back to Pittsburgh to be with the Steelers. So uh, <laughs> you'd have to think there's got to be some interest. Is cutting Mike Mitchell the right move? Uh, do you expect they might bring him back at a lower price, or will they go into free agency and try to do better? Uh, well, they're not going to go big into free agency because, again, it's like, you know, they, they like to try to mount up the compensatory picks. But, you know, they, the one thing that they, they've done now the last couple of years is they make one or two strikes. And I would doubt if Mike would come back, I mean, at a lower price. And, again, a lot of players have pride. And when they get cut like that, even if, and it, you know, they won't take a pay cut or won't take a reduction. And so they may take less money from going someplace else. But, you know, that's, there's no choice. I mean, you know, when you have, uh, you're over the cap right now and they've already done three deals to get under the cap, uh, you have to do something. And unfortunately, at $5 million a year, I mean, he was a sacrifice. The Steelers have kind of an odd model in place, John, with three guys, all three on offense, taking up a ton of cap space. Do you feel like that's going to get the Steelers back to the Super Bowl sooner or later, or is it a flawed model? No, it's not a flawed model because, I mean, it's the big three. And the big three has got this team, you know, you, you can say and every, every year really in the last three or four. I mean, when, when Peyton Manning uh, stepped down from the Denver Broncos, I mean, the pecking order has always been New England and Pittsburgh. Uh, Denver was in there. But you, you can look from the talent, of course. I mean, you see the production of all three. And, of course, I mean, when if, if Bell is the best running back, he needs the best pay, which, of course, he's getting right now. Ben Roethlisberger is one of the best quarterbacks. And so, you know, his contract will have to be addressed here in a couple of years or so. And then Antonio Brown has been the best wide receiver, and so he gets the top dollar at 17. But then you watch. I mean, a lot of these guys from the class of 2014 are going to start topping it. I mean, you know Odell Beckham at some point is going to be able to top the $17 million. So that uh, number one thing. But again, it's like, you know, when you have three guys like that, you need to get the most out of them because, again, they're three of the best in football at their positions. Now, John, you're coming back to Pittsburgh next Monday to speak at Point Park. Uh, it's their talkback series. You'll be discussing media in the NFL. Uh, information, if you want to go to it, uh, listeners, it's on the X Twitter page. What's that all about? Because I'll tell you what, if there's anything that's intriguing, it's the media's relationship with the National Football League. Absolutely. I mean, particularly uh, the way it is and just how it's evolved through the years. And that's going to be the fun part of the, about the talkback series is that, uh, you know, we'll get into all the specifics and how it's grown because, you know, I had the fortune of starting when I was in high school, you know, over at Churchill High School before Rob Gronkowski got there, uh, which is before Woodland Hills. And then just to go, go through the years and how it's changed, how it's changed from the 70s in the media and trying to cover the league, you know, how – uh, everything has kind of grown, and just the difference now of trying to cover all the things, whether it's going to be on television, radio, newspapers, uh, online, you name it. I mean, that's going to be the fun part about this talkback series. I mean, this is the third of three, and of course, I mean, to get to go to the Pittsburgh Playhouse and actually be on stage, I mean, does it get any better than that? <laughs> no, I don't think it does. And like I said, anyone interested in attending, check out the X uh, Twitter page. Uh, and of John, course, you can check it out on also on uh, pittsburghplayhouse.com. Pittsburghplayhouse.com. Be sure to check that out. John Clayton and Todd next Monday, speaking for Point Park University, discussing the media and the National Football League. Uh, John, I find the situation with the Cleveland Browns really intriguing. 
Uh, let's start with what they did trading for Tyrod Taylor and for Jarvis Landry. Uh, how do you rate those moves? I like it because, again, I think you, you can see a little bit of a better plan than the analytical disaster that they had for two years where all they did was accumulate draft choices and then draft bad players. Uh, what they, <laughs> I mean, you, you've seen this. I mean, hey, they're 1-31 in 31 for a reason. And, of course, a lot of it was chasing away the good players that they had and replace them with guys that just didn't project out. But what you like about what John Dorsey's come in there is that, first off, they needed a slot receiver. You know, they've got uh, Josh Gordon, if he's not suspended. I mean, he's back at least this year. He's a good outside guy. They don't know about Corey Coleman. But now you've got one of the best slot guys in football in Jarvis Landry. That's got to be encouraging. You know, when they made the Tyrod Taylor trade, again, he's only going to be abridged until the next quarterback. But he was one, instead of just trying to get out there and outbid you know, uh, a couple teams for A.J. McCarron, you've got a guy that can start. You've got a guy that on a good offense with talent, which they don't have enough of, but it's like when they get that, you know, he can put 24 points a game out there. I mean, what he's, he's a guy with a QBR, which is, of course, the ESPN number in the 60s. That's pretty respectful because it puts him up there, you know, in that middle of the pack. And so they make that move. And then, uh, you know, we'll see whether uh, Demarius Randall can fit in a free safety. But here it is on a Friday, which, of course, I, I was thankful because I was doing uh, moving the chains, hosting that with uh, Pat Kerwin. It's like, what a, what a day seeing those three trades and a little bit of life coming out of the Cleveland Browns. Now, is that going to turn them around? Well, I mean, they're so far down, it can't change things. But you can say it's a good start because now they can at least, you know, draft, uh, you know, a Barkley, whether it's in the first pick or the fourth pick. You know, they get a quarterback, whether it's going to be Darnold or I think they may go for Josh Allen, and he's the quarterback of the future. You know, they'll make a couple moves in free agency, particularly at cornerback, and all of a sudden their roster gets a little bit better. They got to take Barkley, don't they? I mean, John, he's not only the future, he's a bit of a quick fix as well. Yeah, but I, but I still think, I mean, this is, remember, this is, Tyrod Taylor is the 29th quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. 29. And here you're in a position drafting one. Don't you think it'd be wise to get the best quarterback? I mean, if they need to, you know, they can call the Giants and then try to maybe trade up from four to two, you know, giving up one of their three twos, and then they can get Barkley and the quarterback of their choice. But, you know, as it stands right now, you know, if they take Barkley at number one, I mean, it's still possible that, uh, you know, with, Chubb going to Indianapolis at three, and maybe Barkley going to uh, Giants at four. Or that there's still a chance that Buffalo's trying to trade up. I mean, they already moved up today with that Cordy Glenn trade from 21 to 12. So you know they're trying to move up on a quarterback. So one of these teams, whether it's two, the Giants, three, Indianapolis, might be willing to trade down, and all of a sudden you get your second or maybe third choice at quarterback, and that's just not good for Cleveland. Now, what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins? And what's going to happen with Drew Brees? Heck, might as well include Case Keenum in there, too, because he's available. Yeah, well, Cousins looks like I think it's going to be Minnesota over the New York Jets. And so that puts, uh, you know, Case Keenum more likely in Denver over Arizona. Probably A.J. McCarron going to Arizona. Uh, I can see Sam Bradford probably going to the Buffalo Bills as kind of being their bridge quarterback. And so that's where the movement, of course. But it's intriguing right now because, you know, they've got that uh, short window uh, for the New Orleans Saints with Drew Brees where he's, a- he's able to negotiate with other teams. And he's already got a $25 million offer from one team. The Jets have offered him two years, 50 mil, and naturally that's not going to be enough because he probably needs to get 27 or 28, but uh, Minnesota's made that phone call, and you know the Denver Broncos will do it because you know they made the move successfully on Peyton Manning, but in the end, the Saints just have to get this thing done. If not, you know they have to have an $18 million cap hit on Wednesday, which would just devastate them if they don't get him signed. 
Are the Patriots ever going to stop contending, John? I guess what I'm asking is, when does Tom Brady hit that wall? Uh, hard to tell. I mean, it's like I, I, he's he's thinking it's four years, five years down the line. I mean, this guy is just uh, you know amazing, and and now he's got this new nutritional thing, a new workout thing. I mean, listen, how, how about the fact that even Rob Gronkowski is now following the Tom Brady plan? I mean, it's like no party boat. Let's follow Tom Brady's uh, success in trying to stay healthy. But I mean, hey, as long as Belichick and Tom Brady are there, I mean, they're going to still be great. And so right now, I mean, still number one seed is New England. Number two is Pittsburgh, but I think there has to be some one concern with the Patriots in the sense that they don't have any playmakers on defense, and they, unless they start getting some, I mean, it could be a repeat of what happened in the Super Bowl or at the start of the season when they couldn't stop anybody. What do the Steelers have to do to get over that hump? Because they just can't beat New England. I mean, I know it was only a regular season game, but the way that game ended just was a microcosm of the Steelers' frustration with New England. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just win win the game in the regular season against the Patriots. This kind because of, this is now set up like the Peyton Manning uh, Tom Brady battle. Ben Roethlisberger every year going up against Tom Brady, and uh, whoever can get that regular season game can get advantage at home field. I mean, clearly wrestling home field away from the Patriots is going to be the key. Now, actually, it's, it doesn't matter, of course, if you lose to Jacksonville, you don't have to play up in Foxborough. But they need to win that regular season game and put everything in it. And they almost did it this time. I mean, they did it a couple years ago, but still. New England at home during the playoffs is very tough to beat. Hard to keep them out of the Super Bowl. So if they can just get that regular season win, then uh, you know that might give them the edge because Patriots coming to Pittsburgh without the defensive playmakers you know, are vulnerable. John, as always, a real pleasure. Great football insight, and we'll see you in Pittsburgh next Monday. Hey, next Monday, don't, 7 o'clock at the Pittsburgh Playhouse. That's John Clayton, the professor. Go to the Pittsburgh Playhouse website or to the X Twitter. You can talk football with John Clayton. It's the Point Park University Talk Back Series. The professor talks about the media and the NFL. That's next Monday at the Pittsburgh Playhouse. It's now time to ask Mark anything. And that's always a lot of fun, except when it's not. Ask me anything you like. Dial 412-333-WXDX.